Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joel Kraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Friday evening, this 28th Sunday of Ordinary Time, where we have the opportunity to engage uh, another parable that comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Again, each and every Friday, we take up the Gospel uh, for the upcoming Sunday. And what we've been doing here over the past few weeks is taking up Matthew and his words on Christ in his entry to Jerusalem and his subsequent teachings and parables to the Pharisees. And I will be doing this, talking about this, uh, with Deacon Ray Helgeson. You know Deacon Ray. He has joined me a few times of recent dates. So, Deacon Ray, it is great to have you with me another evening. Thank you, Joe. Very good to be with you again. So, as I was saying there, Deacon Ray, Christ comes into Jerusalem and he's asked a question by the Pharisees. By what authority do you speak? And Christ's response is, well, let me first ask you a question. You've asked me a question, let me ask you a question. By what authority did the Baptist speak? And the response was, after talking it over, we do not know. And so then he, he goes into these parables, the first being the parable of the two sons. And with that parable, he leads it with a question. What do you think? And so we begin to have Christ posing these questions uh, with a parable so as to get the Pharisees thinking more critically about uh, who he is and what he's come to establish in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And so he follows up that parable with the the parable of the two sons with uh, yet another parable, the parable of the wicked tenants that we heard last week. And so this week we have yet again another parable as Jesus is uh, seeking after the heart of the Pharisee. And so maybe with that, Deacon Ray, if you want to get us going with that reading. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus, again in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet, my calves and fatted cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whoever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet, and cast him into the darkness outside, 
where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Deacon Ray, when I was first reading this text, even in light of the last few verses, the word that jumped out to me was joy. When you start talking about a marriage feast, especially in antiquity, this was synonymous with joy. And on a more personal level, this whole theme and topic of joy has been really hitting me. You know, on Wednesday evenings, uh, we've been going through joy of the gospel. So we've been going through joy of the gospel for seven months, and we talked about it, you know, six, seven months ago. But I would say over the last five to six weeks, not only do I find joy in these gospel narratives, but also in all of the things that I've been made to look at and study and to reflect upon with our listening audience. And here again, we have this great spiritual fruit of joy. And why? Because when you talk about a personal relationship with God, you're talking about going into the very life of God, this life which is love. And what is synonymous with love? But joy. His love is life-giving. And when you start talking about Uh, God's love and that which is life-giving, we can begin, I think, to appreciate uh, what joy is all about. In fact, at a certain point, I would say, Deacon Ray, that when we are in a living relationship with God, an active relationship with God, we begin to see that life and joy begin to almost blend together. They become one and the same thing, Uh, that vibrant, as John Paul II would put it, glow with fervor. Uh, And so, they essentially become the same thing. And Benedict XVI, uh, God love him. <laughs> you know, I was going back to another one of his reads, and he was noting that in the angelic salutation from the angel Gabriel to Mary, he has this greeting, this uh, kekartomene, uh, which we translate as hail full of grace or rejoice, O highly favored one. The reason why we have grace and rejoice within this Greek word is because essentially joy and grace have the same root, charis. And he says, take note of that. Pay close attention to that because if grace is the gift of God's inner life, if grace is God's very life-giving goodness, then what this is, is joy. You know, so we receive the grace in the sacramental life. We receive uh, this goodness and it bears joy. It's no wonder then why Pope Benedict says, Emeritus Benedict XVI says, that uh, joy is the first proclamation of the New Testament. I I love that. The first proclamation of the New Testament because the gift that God has come to give us is joy. Yes, uh, Joe, I think there is a path to that joy that these last few weeks uh, Christ has been revealing uh, through these parables, and especially through the parable today, where it's mentioned a number of times about the invited guest. He says, uh, summon the invited guest. Tell those who are invited to come to the feast. Uh, And it seems to me that that path to joy that you're speaking about comes through faith. Mm. Because in each one of these parables, uh, as you mentioned, Jesus has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and he goes to the temple And there he's confronted by the chief priests and elders of the people. And they ask him, as you said, what authority do you have? But he continues to teach. And he teaches through these parables. And he helps us to see, and he's trying to awaken the chief priests and the 
Pharisees and the elders of the people, he's trying to awaken faith within them. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. he mentions, John told about my coming, and prostitutes and tax collectors heard him and believed, but Mm. you did not believe. Mm -hmm. And he goes on, and and in the next parable he tells about the tenants who were sent out. In other words, those that the master called to work in his vineyard responded to his order, responded in obedience, Mm -hmm. through the obedience of faith. And we come to the gospel today, and it's like all the work that we've been doing, all the followers of Christ, we're doing it in faith. We're listening to him in faith, and this gives such a clear dichotomy or contrast between the elders of the people and the chief priests who don't listen. Mm-hmm. So you can see they don't have joy there. Mm-hmm. But once we continue to listen, then I think the next step, we're listening to Christ, we're trying to follow him, but through our faith we really start to hold on to what he's promising. Mm-hmm. And that comes out, I think, clearly in this gospel. Mm-hmm. He's calling us, he's inviting us to a wedding feast. Mm-hmm. The other two prior weeks, he's inviting us to go out to work. Mm-hmm. But now he's inviting us to the banquet. He's inviting us to the feast. And our gift of hope, faith always precedes hope. The gift of hope, as we're believing in him, we hear where he is directing us. We hear his promises, and that kindles within us hope. Mm -hmm. And that hope really starts to, in a certain sense, move us closer to him. And it's like I was thinking when we were talking about this earlier, I think it's Colossians 3, 1, where Paul says, set your heart on things above Mm -hmm. rather than on things of earth, Mm -hmm. because that's what Christ is promising us. Not to set aside our responsibilities in this life, not to, you know, think we're going to run off and go to a convent or a monastery or something, but through the gift of faith, we come to really understand and to grasp his promises, which kindles the hope. Mm-hmm. which is the same thing you're t- I think you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The joy starts to manifest it within us because of the gift of hope. We see what he is offering us. Mm. Yeah, John Paul II talks about how faith yields that uh, robust enthusiasm. And I think it's really important as you're talking there to get underneath uh, faith, maybe even a little more in light of the listen response there, Deacon Ray. I loved what you just shared. I think that was beautiful. And uh, when you look at faith in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word emunah is, it's not faith, it's faithfulness. In fact, you rarely see the word faith in the Old Testament. It's faithfulness. Why? Because the better translation or the better rendering is a firm response or uh, listen response, really. So when Paul in Romans 1, 5 and 16, 26, as he bookends his epistle to Rome with it, he says, obedience of faith. What he's translating is the Old Testament vision of faithfulness, the obedience of faith or the obedience that is faith or the obedience that springs from faith. Why the obedience that springs from faith? Because obedience, obadire, to listen. So what faith does for us is it opens us up, Deacon Ray, to better understand prayer, because prayer, simply defined for John Paul II, is conversation with God, that listen-response relationship. I mean, what does our prayer life look like? You know, Samuel says what? Lord, uh, listen, your, your servant is speaking, or Lord, speak, your servant is listening. I think it's, it's wonderful that you're bringing out about the Old Testament understanding, because 
when Christ calls us into a relationship with him, he's, he's inviting us. And our response is not just simply a one-time yes, mm. but he's inviting us into a relationship. So relationships always call for faithfulness. I remember someone quoted asking Mother Teresa how she could continue the way she had done. You know, when, sometimes you're successful, sometimes you're not successful. And she said, success has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. She said, it's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was giving a talk last night on going into St. Ignatius and his discernment of spirits, and it was basing it on prayer and faith. Mm-hmm. And I was encouraging them because I've experienced this in my own life. In my time of prayer, I like it when I get a sense of God's gentleness or his strength, but there's many times when it's dry. Mm-hmm. And my spiritual director a number of years ago from Vina, Father Anthony, said, when you go to prayer, always go to prayer and be faithful. Mm-hmm. Be faithful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Look for the strength that he's going to give you, the peace in your everyday life. Don't look for it so much in prayer because you are going into, you are in a relationship with him. You want to spend time with him. You want to allow him to transform you. You want to allow his grace, and that happens most profoundly in prayer. Mm-hmm. It happens in the sacraments and beautifully in the Eucharist. But when we spend time with him in prayer, our faithfulness to him during those times is where the fruit that is so much part of the Gospels, mm-hmm. the fruit comes through our faithfulness to him. As you're talking there, I can't help but think of Origen. Uh, on Tuesday evenings, we've been taking up the Church Fathers, Deacon Ray, and of course, Origen, uh, one of the great um, Church Fathers in biblical theology. And he looks at uh, the kingdom of heaven in three modes, the kingdom of God in three modes. He says, first and foremost, we must understand that Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God incarnate. The kingdom of heaven is first Christological. And I thought his second piece was just beautiful. He talked about the kingdom of heaven also being mystical, right? If it's Christological, then it must be mystical. Well, what does he mean there? Origen talks about the interior life. We are hearing about a kingdom of heaven parable right now, Deacon Ray. And what he wants us to see is that it is about the interior life. Again, that robust enthusiasm comes out from that contemplation of truth for John Paul II. So, yeah, very important. Christological, then mystical. And Lastly, he talks about the more regal aspect of the church in its governance and also in its sacramental identity, uh, which, of course, brings us back to the principle of relationship. So, yeah, very important. You brought up hope as well. And I go to Joseph Pieper when he talked about hope. He was a Thomistic philosopher, so he's one who reflected upon the philosophy of Thomas Aquinas and then uh, gives us some beautiful commentary on the moral virtues, the cardinal virtues, and He talks about hope as the confident assurance. He talked about hope as the potential of the yet unseen. And I was made to think about that for a while. You know, what does that mean, especially in light of faith, especially in light of of joy and and in light of the encounter and prayer? You know, I I grew up playing a lot of basketball, a lot of basketball. And uh, I would find myself going into a game a lot more confident, Deacon Ray, if I was outside shooting hoop for two hours, if I missed that two hours of practice time, I went into the game without a lot of confidence. It's just human nature, right? The more time I spent with the game of basketball, the more confident I was going to be uh, in the game itself. 
and almost certain that I was going to be able to do certain things that maybe I wouldn't be able to do if I wasn't spending time with the game outside the court. What am I saying? We need to be spending time with Christ, that in all that we do, um, we are living in that confident assurance. And that confident assurance, that seeing the potential of the yet unseen, that seeing the potential of the greatness of, of the next three, four, five hours, comes out of that more personal encounter with Jesus Christ in that prayer. Yes. Uh, in reading this gospel, when I first read it, uh, I was really trying to discern, because I'm preaching this weekend, I was trying to discern the message. And I think it takes a little bit of time. It did for me to start to go beyond even the gift of faith and listening to Christ to what he's really saying here that really started to churn within me a realization of the hope that is placed here. And one of the things that has really helped me to understand hope, a situation that occurred with my wife and I, Donna, when we were back at St. Pius Church in Steubenville working with the RCIA team, and we were invited over to this family's house. The husband and wife were coming into the church wonderful couple. They had three little children. And the youngest, we went over there on a Wednesday evening, and we went in, and the youngest ran up. Her name was Vicki. She ran up to me, Deacon Ray, and she gave me a big hug, and she says, we're going to, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the amusement park right on the, uh, right on the lake, mm. Sandusky area. Mm-hmm. She, and she was so excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was just full of life and exuberance. And later her mom said, her mom says, I couldn't have, he says, I just told her this today. I couldn't have told her a week ago because you couldn't live with her. She would be way too excited. Yeah. <laughs> so what she showed me, little, what she showed me, that little one, that she had this faith and trust in her mother. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. her mother proclaimed something to her, a promise mm-hmm. that she had not yet experienced. But it was alive within her. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. alive within her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Lord offers us through the gift of hope. Mm-hmm. We practice the gift of faith by turning ourselves to him. Sometimes I use the analogy when I go to prayer, I have to take my own chin and turn it towards the Lord. Yet we practice that gift of faith so that he can fill us with his truth, with his life, and with his promises mm. that enkindle the they turn that gift of hope into us in a very life-giving way, like that little one expressed. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she received she received the promise from her mother, and she was already living it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the Lord offers us. He can. Mm-hmm. We, we we sometimes focus a lot on the gift of faith, which is very necessary. We need to use it, but we also need to look at what He's promising us, and allow those promises, like he's saying, the banquet, Mm -hmm. the feast, Mm -hmm. we're invited to it. Mm -hmm. Allow that to marinate in our heart. Allow it to become more and more real, like you said, that definition uh, that uh, about that that confident assurance. Yes, yes, yeah. And to become childlike, he tells us to become childlike. Yeah, as you're talking there, I cannot help but think, but but that terminology of the potentially yet unseen and the confident assurance, because of what this mother told her. Mm -hmm. She, She now is assured that this is going to be a pretty special experience. And there's, Deacon Ray, this evangelical quality, evangelical in the truest sense of the word, to what happened in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, There's a whole other piece in this gospel uh, that could also be missed as it relates to the invitation 
as it relates to evangelization, right? We need to be willing to invite. We invite people to a lot of special events. Uh, this mother is inviting her daughter to this amusement park. Now, I think we do this all the time. And in, in a way, we are, quote unquote, evangelizing for that amusement park or for the game, right? Mm-hmm. And that evangelization usually comes through the what? The joy that we were already talking about. But we have to think about this practically. We have to say, come and see. You know, there's that wonderful exchange between Philip and Nathaniel. He has this personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He finds Nathaniel there in that opening chapter of, of the Gospel of John. And he says, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, I, I found him. I found the fulfillment of the promise. And, and he's like, who is this? He's Jesus of Nazareth. And his response, well, what, co- what good comes from Nazareth, right? And he says, see and come? No. He says, come and see, which I think is beautiful because it really does put the emphasis on faith before reason, right? Sometimes we want to put reason before faith, and we put faith before reason because what we do is we put the encounter with the essence first, all right? So we have to start saying, come and see. As faithful Christians and Catholics, Deacon Ray, we're simply saying, hey, we're all impoverished, and and we just want to let you know where we found the food. Mm. This this particular parable, as many church fathers get into, very much points us to, of course, the liturgical banquet, right? The sacrament of the Eucharist. Come and see. The liturgy, in a secular sense, Deacon Ray, might not have all the bells and whistles of, of an amusement park or, or going to a baseball game, but come and see. And let not the bells and whistles fill you with joy, but the Spirit of Christ, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ fill you with joy. That joy, the ball game, the amusement park, that's passing. This joy is lasting. Now, of course, that's not to say that the liturgy is not beautiful. In many ways, the liturgy is very beautiful, even in what the eyes behold. But again, there's a juxtaposition to be had there. Yes, and I think that's what's so important about the new new evangelization. The first call of the new evangelization is relationship with Christ. Mm Mm-hmm because it's through our relationship with Christ, with him in faith, that we become interiorly transformed. So that these possibilities, it's no longer we have found the one who has forgiven us our sins, but we have found the one who is offering us eternal life. Mm. We have found the one who is offering us eternal life. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, John Paul II's words in Crossing the Threshold of Hope when he was asked the question, what is e- uh, evangelization? And he goes into the, he talks about the kerygma, right? The proclamation of the good news, the gospel. He talks about the catecheo, the catechesis. It's interesting he put that within the context of evangelization for our listening audience out there. Always have to see that also as a, a dimension of evangelization. But he said, first, it's contemplation and truth. Right. First, it's contemplation truth, because out from that contemplation is what will allow that charisma, that proclamation of the good news, and the formation and the deposit of faith to come alive, to come alive. And certainly, he's inviting us as he was inviting the Pharisees, you know. And he's constant. You know, we were we were talking about the listen response relationship, Deacon Ray. Part of that listen response is to be able to engage the question. He's constant in his questions. Why? Because if you think about it critically, uh, questions encourage a more personal encounter. To ask a question provokes, right? It draws you in. Uh, this is why asking questions is 
is always a part of any good evangelization and catechesis. And so we do have to render our hearts open to him in all that he has to share with us in these uh, gospel narratives so as to be able to say, okay, yes, he's speaking to the Pharisees 2,000 years ago, but there's a Pharisee inside of all of us. There's that tendency to maybe put too much of an emphasis on appearance over reality, too much of an emphasis on what we say versus what we do, not understanding how the spirit of the law illuminates the letter of the law. Ultimately, we have to insert ourselves into the gospel and appreciate the Lord, yes, speaking to the Pharisees, but also us. Yes, and I think uh, there's, there's so many beautiful truths that come out of the gospel, and especially out of this gospel. And I think our Lord is calling us, you kind of inferred it earlier when you said about how we live internally, uh, that the Lord wants to transform us internally, that when we hear the beauty of the truth, we're to, I think we're, Our Lady gives us such a wonderful example about taking that truth, taking the beauty, taking the promises, and bringing all of those to prayer mm. so that we can reflect upon them, so mm. that we can, in a certain sense, allow our hearts and our minds to be marinated in that truth. Yeah. That we, we live in such a fast-paced society today, and the enemy doesn't want us to stop and reflect on these things. Mm. But when we spend time with the Lord, when we spend time meditating with him, going in front of him in the Blessed Sacrament, and giving him time so that that grace can really marinate our hearts and our minds, so that our convictions in the faith become stronger, our love for him becomes stronger, mm. and our willingness to obey him become more strong within us. Mm, amen. Yeah, to marinate in that grace is to marinate in his goodness and his love. And again, this is is what uh, springs forth joy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wrap, I think, uh, Deacon Ray. Thank you for the gift of your time. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, uh, having you on is, is, is a joy for me. So I do appreciate the gift of your time. Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.